Hi, I'm Meredith Roden, and I'm the host of the Hatchet's weekly podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It, covering the happenings around Foggy Bottom and GW's campus. I'm here with the Hatchet's administration editor, Zach Schoenfeld, to talk about a town hall event that University President Thomas LeBlanc put on this week. LeBlanc at this event announced his new four pillars that he's going to focus on, and those are undergraduate education, graduate education, faculty, and research. So, Zach, can you break down for us what these four initiatives actually mean? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So each of these four initiatives will be headed by a new committee that will work over about the next nine months uh, to develop recommendations to go into the university's next strategic plan. Uh, And all of this will coincide with the bicentennial anniversary that's coming up in 2021. Now, each of these committees are headed by a chair and vice chair who are faculty members from across the university, but members of the committees will comprise faculty, staff, and students. Uh, So we've also heard that Student Association President S.J. Matthews is working directly with University President Thomas LeBlanc to develop uh, student representatives to serve on each of those committees. So President LeBlanc said that these four pillars are really the essence of the university's main goals for the coming year that will help set the framework for the university's next strategic plan. Now, of course, these will work in conjunction with his five top initiatives, which he proposed shortly after arriving at the university, but this is all part of a bigger picture uh, in each of these four main pillars to become what he calls a preeminent university, which he said again and again. Each of these committees, over the next nine months, they've had a few goals that uh, administrators have set for them. First, their, their first goal is to gather input from around the GW community. There's uh, People are able to submit feedback online, as well as just people getting feedback through conversations and meetings, uh, which will come in the future. And then after that, and through also determining uh, the state of reality for each where for each one of these pillars, and each of these committees are tasked with really getting a handle on where the university currently stands. And based on all of that and the feedback they get, they are tasked with proposing recommendations to the Board of Trustees by February, which will all be combined into the strategic plan, which administrators say they hope to approve by May by the Board of Trustees. So in essence, this announcement is really just that, an announcement. There's a lot of work to be done ahead with this. So what was kind of the reaction to what was the reaction to this plan going forward? Yeah, so we've talked with some of the different chairs and vice chairs that have been selected and identified, and a lot of them have told us that while not a lot of work has been done so far, and some of these committees haven't even met quite yet, but they're all really excited to work on all of these new initiatives and really be a part of the next strategic plan for the university. This was in a town hall setting, so there was some Q&A from people who were in the audience. What was that like? Were there any questions that stood out to you? Yeah, so the questions for the president were very wide-ranging on all different aspects of the university. Uh, And these questions, I believe, were also uh, made and submitted in advance before that these uh, attendees even knew about the strategic plan. So they weren't specifically related to these new pillars that were announced, Um, but some of them were related in the overall goals of the university. Something that stuck out was uh, President LeBlanc's uh, continued initiative to increase the amount of students uh, pursuing STEM majors here at GW. There were some questions about that, and it is President LeBlanc's continued goal to attract more STEM students, uh, and he's attributed that to everything from the new Science and Engineering Hall, which was completed a few years ago, but he's really made it one of his top overall priorities to make more students that are pursuing STEM majors come to GW to create what he says will be an all-around world-class research institution. 
And another hot topic that's been in the news recently, there was actually a Washington Post article about this as well, is that GW is going to be cutting enrollment as well. Did anyone ask about that at the town hall? Yeah, so there definitely has been a lot of questions about uh, the enrollment, both within the town hall and from faculty as well that we've heard from. The idea of this enrollment decrease that we're hearing from top officials is to try to focus more on quality, and they keep using the phrase, better, not bigger. The undergraduate population at GW over the past few years has increased every single year, and so now they're really taking a critical look to say, you know, let's resize our undergraduate population so that we don't overstretch our resources here. Thanks so much for breaking this down for us, Zach. Thanks for having me. And today I'm here with uh, Greg Squires, who is a professor of sociology and a member of the steering committee. And I'm also here with the president of the faculty association, Guillermo Orti. Uh, welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, first of all, can you just give us your impressions of the meeting and how you thought President LeBlanc conducted it and communicated his priorities? I, I thought it was a very smooth, patronizing presentation where he talked about the importance of collaboration and how we're all in this together. We're all working very hard together to make this work. Uh, But in fact, everything that he has done so far exudes just the opposite. Uh, Yesterday he mentioned, for example, that that, uh, in terms of the strategic planning process, he, they have made two, two decisions. They, they decided to cut back undergraduate enrollment by about 20% and to sh- move towards STEM. And he said this was a decision that came out of a lot of discussions he'd had with the Board of Trustees. And he mentioned in passing a couple of times the educational, the, the, the academic leadership of the university. But it was clear that was a second-tier group, and it wasn't at all specific what he meant by the academic leadership. I would assume that means deans and that it doesn't mean much participation of the uh, of the faculty. That's exactly right. That question was asked to the president at today's Senate meeting and he clearly identified the academic leadership with the president, the provost and the deans of the uh, university. So faculty in general had very little input into this and uh, it was quite a surprise to learn about these decisions having been made sort of through leaks or different channels or like rumors and, and suddenly now they are being announced and explained by the president at this event. And just for my final question, I kind of want to go into the town hall itself. This has been something that has been kind of frequent since the, the president started. It's, he's, he's done his own uh, town halls. The provost has done some town halls, I believe. So he's he's trying to make an effort to communicate to the university or at least try to get some kind of feedback. He's opened up his website. What do you think is missing there? Because obviously uh, you all feel that there's not being enough transparency. So what, what where do you think the disconnect is? Well, I think part of the disconnect is that, you know, we've had lots of town halls now for several years here. And I think the purpose of the town hall is primarily so the board of trustees and the president and other administrators can say that they've consulted with and heard from the university community. That's far more, I think, what they're out that what they're after rather than actually getting real information and input from from the, the various parts of the community. Right. Now I'm not I don't I don't I'm not I don't want to be totally cynical. I'm not saying they're not at all interested in what people have to say. But when you go to these town halls, sometimes they've they've had a very 
extensive ambitious agenda like when we were going through the previous strategic plan there were many very complicated questions and we couldn't even begin to, to address any of them in any depth with all the people in the room it was clearly not a vehicle for having any kind of meaningful discussion so every time i hear the word town hall i i, I sort of laugh yeah so my feeling not only about the town halls, but about the uh, way they roll out their their initiatives, like the culture initiative. So, like sending the way they communicate by email and by press release. Exactly, uh, it's better than by tweet. To me, yeah, it gives me the sense of sort of a manufactured uh, consensus with a community where I know I was never asked, and I asked my colleagues, and they are as mystified as as I am, and nobody knows who were the people providing the input, and they came up with this Disney survey that we, we talked about in the past, and this is a circular argument. Uh, you, you never know where it started. Yeah, I, and I, I think this whole culture initiative is, is a dodge, frankly, uh, that there are concerns on this campus, and they have to do with the material conditions under which people are working, the cost of health care, what we're paying our adjuncts, uh, or we're able to pay incoming assistant professors. These are the things that affect people's life on this campus. Culture is not the, the, the concern. Uh, we, we have a president who's focused on this, and he's brought in his Disney consultants to do these surveys, and, and uh, what I hear from I rarely hear from any faculty members who think that this is going to do something to improve the experience for students or anybody else as part of the university community. We need to focus on the material conditions under which people live, work, and play here, and, and that's what we have to address. We often say that the faculty's working conditions are students' learning conditions, and, and we really believe that. Uh, GUFA is very interested in enhancing the intellectual climate of this university and improving the experience for students. Uh, you know, we're not just some kind of trade union association trying to leverage higher salaries for full professors. Uh, we really are addressing a wide range of conditions on this campus. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. You're Thanks welcome. For thank having you. us. Yeah. Thanks for having us. If you've ever taken the Foggy Bottom Metro before, you've probably seen Carrielle Coates. She's usually there uh, every couple of weekdays singing, and our culture editor, Sydney Lee, has her story this week. Yeah, so Carriel actually moved here in 2016 to go to college at Washington Adventist University. And she's originally from the island of Antigua in the Caribbean. Why is she a singer? Like, why did she decide to make this metro stop her place to perform? She actually uses it as a way to support herself, so she pays for a lot of the things that she needs day-to-day, you know, college life, and she says it's her nine-to-five job, so she will sing all day long at the Metro and other places around the city to support herself. How did she get into singing, though? So she said that uh, it was a huge part of her family, so growing up, she would sing in the choir because her dad is a pastor, and music was just a huge part of her upbringing. What are some of the songs that she sings the most often? So her favorite styles to sing are gospel, R&B, and jazz. And you can hear her singing belting songs like Whitney Houston. And one of her favorite artists is actually Tori Kelly. So all those kind of soul songs, she definitely kills it. Does she play any instruments? Yeah, she taught herself how to play several instruments, including the guitar, violin, and the piano. 
How does she get all that equipment around? Well, she actually loads it up into the back of her truck, and she will drive from her hometown in Silver Spring into the city, and she will lug it all herself, her tent, her speakers, her sound system, and she said it takes about 30 minutes to set up, and then from there she just sings all day. Does she want to go into music in the future? Yeah, she's actually studying clinical psychology at her university, but she hopes to turn it into a career with music therapy, so she definitely wants to do something with music in the future. So does all of this performing pay well? She actually said that she can make up to $1,000 on a good day, so it sounds pretty good to me. Thanks, Sydney, for telling us Carielle's story. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's all for this week. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by Meredith Roten and features culture editor Sydney Lee. This podcast is produced by producer Jacob Fullbag, assistant photo editor Arielle Bader, and podcast host Meredith Roten. Music is produced by Oak Studio. A special thanks this week to Greg Squires, Guillermo Ortiz, and Zach Schoenfeld for joining us.